Welcome to the Let It Bleed podcast, a place where you can hear the liquor-fueled ramblings of two narcissistic wizards who conjure the essence of inspirational people every week and bring it straight to you. And just how do you plan on doing that? Magic. Motherfucker. And now for the wizards themselves, David Amaya and Phil Arroyo. Welcome once again, everybody. We have a very uh, special show for you today. It was fun uh, re- Kindling uh, old friendship with a person I used to work with um, and just kind of randomly after a few years of not seeing them when I worked with them just hit me up and said, hey, I'm going on your podcast. And they said, hey, welcome to the, the Let It Bleed podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she. Well, I am damn glad that she did because that was I mean, that was fascinating. And I always love getting somebody in here who is this this subject matter expert that is outside of really, you know, the both of what we know. And I I always just love like I, you know, I get that little that little dopamine rush every time mm. I genuinely learn something or something that's like super insightful. And man. Yeah, it was really cool because uh, she reminded me of how many years it's been since I've seen her. And it's easy to lose track of those things because, you know, we're always so busy and we're always pursuing what we're doing. But it's been really cool because in, in the time since I've last seen her, I could say that I've definitely moved all over the place with what I wanted to do in life. And it seems as though even though she's probably, you know, a, a definitely developed so much further into what she initially wanted to do. I know that she's been passionate about this particular uh, field for a long time. And that is, you know, kind of guiding students and childhood development and, and, you know, blooming their minds. Yeah. You know, we didn't really, we didn't really get into it. So I didn't call it out as it was happening, but I thought it was fantastic the way that she laid out her story about how she got to the place where she is now. And there's still plenty of room for her to grow. So we talked about what she wants to do in the future, but going through what she like you know the different interests that she had how she thought it was like one thing and then it went to another how she had herself you know how she was thinking about doing, getting into fashion before she really got into this because she realized she didn't have the passion for that like she does for this mm-hmm. and i mean i know you guys weren't in the room when she was talking about it but you know you could see it in her face that i mean i i've it's it's a special thing when you can see somebody who genuinely cares so much about the thing that they're talking about. And I think we we stayed true to our word this week, like we do every week, but this week in particular, about, you know, getting that essence of of passion in there. Having somebody come on and talk about what they truly care about and educate us and, you know, hopefully you guys along the way. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, most definitely. It, it reinstilled a sense of hope for the educational system, um, at least, you know, for me, because... It's kind of easy to just get, you know, uh, just, you know, cynical. Yeah, cynical. You kind of feel defeated with, you know, from even from over 10 years ago when I was in high school and seeing how just like standardized testing kind of governed, you know, what schools got the most funding and, you know, what programs you get. And also there's there's budget cuts and you kind of just you see all of the things that go wrong with schools or that could be better. And you don't really, you know, think about the positive. But I needed to hear what was being told because she was able to basically make me remember that not just with this, but with everything else in life, you know, it's a choice on how you look at, you know, a situation and where you can go from there, you know, instead of worrying about a problem, okay, how can we make this better? And so, you know, showing us that there are ways to make teachers and, and counselors have more passion and to not give up, 
you know, not to feel defeated by, you know, the restrictions that are placed upon them by being in the school system or anything like that. And to actually talk amongst each other to build that passion and to really focus on what's important. And that is understanding how these kids are most effectively learning. You know, and it was heartening to me to, to hear her talk, somebody who's, you know, who's so passionate about it. And for her to talk about, you know, the environment that she's working in with people who are, you know, presumably equally as passionate and how the trend is, okay, everybody understands that standardized testing and putting these kids in little cubicles and boxes is not really fostering a long-term care. And she, she had some, like, some brilliant insights that made so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. And if that's the kind of good work that they're doing over there in education, then, then fuck, I, it makes me happy to at least see something that I can, I can mark on my timeline in my, you know, my way that I view the world and go, okay, things are getting better. Mm-hmm. We're learning and we're going in the right direction. Right. And so, yeah, yeah what a, what a wholesome, wholesome show. And absolutely. She defined what I think is a grit that I'm, I'm definitely going to steal this grit. Yeah. You know, she talked about fostering the grit in a child, like somebody who just wants to learn, who's got the passion, who's got the drive and having that be so much more valuable than, you know, maybe something that's, uh, inherent, like, a you know, like intelligence or, or, you know, being good with numbers or something like that, like, like fostering that, the, the ethic and the, the good mindsets, these, you know, blooming mindsets. I'm not even sure if I'm using that right. I just wanted to work that in, in a very corny <laughs> way, but, um, yeah, she yeah. had grit, man. She had, she grit. had grit. Speaking I'm inspired. of, speaking of timelines though. So let's talk about a couple other things that we've got going up, uh, this week. We have uh, the comedy show on Thursday. That's right. If you guys are hearing this on the day that we released it and you fucking better, then (laughs) there is hopefully still some tickets left for you guys to go and check out my boy, Joe Ural, record his half hour comedy special at the rec room in Huntington Beach. That is not special. That's what he's calling it. And it's, uh, it's a hilarious title. And of course... Opening for him is going to be last week's guest, Miss Lydia Shaheen, good friend of mine, very, very funny chick. And I mean, I've I've seen these I've seen this guy perform. I know, I've seen all the people that are actually on that lineup uh, do their thing, and fuck, they they are some funny people. So you guys, Huntington Beach, like support the local scene here. There is great comedy going on. Uh, so expand your mindset. You know, you don't need to go buy a two hundred dollar Kevin Hart Stadium seats. Okay, yeah. it's right here. For ten bucks, when you use the promo code Lydia at uh, at checkout, so if you go to notspecial.live, definitely, definitely take advantage of that. I will be there. Come say hello and buy me a drink. Yeah. Come. And uh, <laughs> what else we got coming up this week? Well, next week, next Wednesday night in Santa Ana at the Copper Door, um, we are going to be doing another uh, event, or I'm going to be live painting at another installment of the big draw it's really cool it's it's a free cover you just come in you you know buy yourself some drinks you hang out get some food snacks and you sit down at this big table where there's uh paper spread all across it and you could just draw everybody just gets down and draws but you know you we're, there's gonna be music there's going to be live artists like myself that you could just check out it's just a, a fun time so be sure to do that and speaking of art we are actually doing a collaboration, Art in the Park, with Psychedelic Lions Den. We are going to be teaming up with Regal Collective, Ooh. and we are going to be doing a six-month anniversary extravaganza. Ooh. And we've got some got really chills. cool surprises for you guys. Um, you know, we're, we're just so stoked 
that we've been doing this uh, from six months ago, which you know really doesn't seem like that long of time. But I mean, if we've just grown so much in that last six months from the time that we just said, you know, we're just going to go to the park and and make some art with each other. Uh, we've got so many people that have come out and you know enjoyed a Sunday in the park, doing what they'd love to do, and people discovering what they love to do. So. If you have not come yet, then come. And if you have come, bring people because you know that it's fun and it's going to be that much cooler this time around. We've got some really awesome surprises for you and we'll get more into that later. But um, April 15th in Buena Park. Stay tuned. We will keep you updated on the links and, and everything like that. Um, yeah, of course, you guys. You can always check the uh, the show notes uh, and check us out on social media at Let It Bleedcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates and really easy, clickable stuff for all this. So don't worry. Don't crash the car. Don't pull over and try to remember what all these things are. I got you, fam. <laughs> I got you. Don't worry. Don't worry. I've been taking notes. You'll so, always be woke with Phil oh, telling yeah. you. I will. I will keep you woke. Yeah, I want to do like a like a like a, a two minute like woke corner. Like, hey, here's some crazy shit that you should know. Have you seen that show? No, uh, not not to get too off rail shows now because oh, I always fuck do it, that, Let's get off rails. Yeah, the on my block. It's no. on Netflix. It's pretty funny. It's like kind of one of those just you know coming of age stories that that you know there tends to be a lot of those ones that get really played out on like Netflix or, or Hulu or whatnot. And, but mm-hmm. this one's actually really good. It's about these kids in like the hood that grow up and. Uh, you know, like kind of dealing with just going into high school and like, you know, kind of uh, falling for each other as friends, but also having like a friend mem- uh, friend of theirs who's like part of a gang getting like, you know, into the, the gang because his brothers are into okay. it. So it's this whole thing. But there's a kid that's like this really, you know, just eccentric child. <laughs> he's just like, he says he claimed, I forget exactly how he said it, but he was just like, see, I'm woke. I'm woke. And she's like, you can't claim to be woke. Somebody has to tell you. <laughs> it it, it sounds like, it sounds like the chat. Have you heard of that? No. It's a, it's a new show. Season one just ended. We got into it. It's on Showtime. And it is, I mean, it sounds exactly like that. Is it's that just, the thing that, that Bill Murray was doing? Like the Chai Vaughn, uh, Keep Calm and Chai Vaughn thing? No, it has no. nothing to do with that? Okay. No, this is about uh, this is about the south side of Chicago. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So, not, not related. <laughs> yeah, no, Bill Murray, as far as I know, uh, is not in it. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's also a great story. Like He'll about, probably make it about exactly what point. you're talking about. And there's, there's a couple eccentric kid characters in there when she's just like, one where it's like, it made me so happy watching him throughout the season. I'm like, oh God, they're going to kill him, aren't they? But they didn't. It was good. Nice. Oh wait, spoiler alert. Fuck. I'm terrible at this. Anyways, moving So check forward. both of those out. The Chive and On My Block. Um, but yeah. And then tell us which one was better. Who has better taste? <laughs> or who has better networks? And that's probably you. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm very limited to what I have. So yeah, check and that out. I know how to steal shit. Um, well, all right, so you guys, uh, of course, be sure to check out uh, everything that is, I mean, I guess we're not quite uh, set up yet, but at blooming underscore mindsets, uh, that's multiple mindsets, uh, that is where you're going to find Erica and her stuff on Instagram right now, and uh, I'm sure it's going to blossom into something pretty fabulous coming up soon so you guys make sure and uh give her a follow and support a super you know good and noble cause especially if you are an educator and you are looking for ways to um you know get more passionate she's going to go into telling you this thing that she's developing to where you guys could all it's, it's basically like uh 
what would you say like what site like an etsy or like you know a pinterest or, or something for like teachers that you know you can browse through and find these you know curriculums or packets or you know methods that other teachers are using um and you could you know support each other by buying them it's teachers paying teachers yeah you know, teachers because you that guys, was cool i hadn't heard of that before yeah that's really neat because i mean obviously we know that the government's not giving the teachers enough money for their schooling you know we can spend a lot of money on but they're giving them guns yeah. and buckets <laughs> yeah. of rocks and apparently they all need guns and the military needs more weapons that you know because we can't blow up the world three times over already so yeah did you, did you hear in pennsylvania there's a school that gave every teacher a bucket of rocks in case of <laughs> in case of a live shooting like incident or whatever they call it a bucket of rocks yeah so if somebody comes to the door with a gun you've got a classroom full of kids with rocks and they will throw rocks at them to get them to go away that's the plan desperation that's the plan at its worst i can't fucking believe this so it's good to hear positive stories about real you know educators talking about education people whose job this is and not i'm surprised they didn't just propose that they would give all the students guns uh it's i mean they basically are (laughs) what the fuck do you think like it, it hasn't even started yet and a teacher already accidentally shot a student like two weeks ago no really yeah damn I, I was watching this Looney Tunes episode where it was like the Wild West and it like was a parody of like everybody just shooting each other up. And then like there was a part where the horses even get up and like they start shooting at the people. And I was just like, this is America right now. <laughs> this is what's coming down to. It's crazy. Oh, my God. But, you know, Dude, yeah. on a lighter note, Erica, uh, it, we get into a whole topic of discussion on education, which has nothing to do with those you know sad tragedies fortunately so yeah um, if you want if you want to feel better about the world listen to this one absolutely yeah that's yeah so i think that is about it for us so yeah you know where to follow us Uh, me always on uh, instagram at hood red stuff with three f's and the psychedelic lion's den for the art phil at nobody cares phil on instagram and at phil nobody cares on twitter and that is good for me yeah lena let's without any further ado get into this conversation that we have with erica and you know what as always, we're going to ha- go ahead and let her let it bleed. Let her. Oh, <laughs> oh man. We were so close. Do it again? Do, it again? do, it again? do the whole okay, thing again. Yeah, let's, let's, let's record let's that intro again. Do the whole thing again. that i'm getting there okay okay so the knife stuck in the chair that was deeply stuck in the chair okay so we went to tilly's we bought a batman multi-tool that looks like uh you know it looks like one of the batarangs that he throws Uh uh-huh and then we're like well this isn't any fun if we can't really throw it and so we took the bottom of like the cardboard bottom of a case of hurricanes we painted a target on it and we were throwing them at um we set them up on that chair and we were throwing the thing at the chair Okay. We weren't having as good a luck, and we're like, you know what? Let's find some other shit to throw. So she pulls out her pocket knife, and we threw it a couple times in the room. We're like, and, and it landed and then, like that. By the second time of it flying around, like across the room, we went, okay, maybe we should take this outside. Yeah. And so then we were like just full force flinging down there, and then that was the last throw of the night. I was like, all right, we'll do one good one where it sticks, and then it hit that, 
and it stuck. We're like, you know what? That was pretty metal. I don't think we can top that. And so we just left it there. There you go. Well, so I guess we have to say on this podcast uh, podcast episode where we're going to be talking about developing children's oh. minds that we shouldn't be. We should uh, talk start about out assholes. With the, don't throw knives, kids. Oh my don't god! Don't be throwing yeah, knives. I know, right? Well, you did it. You guys see, you guys weren't paying attention to my growth mindset. You guys were just like setting me up for failure right there by putting knives on my fucking chair. I feel like what I'm looking at is like two very distinct yet effective ways of teaching. You know? <laughs> You've got your like so, psychology so, and science based so, things are things are backed up. It was there. so and they've got a knife. It's well, in general though, like her and I, th- this is kind of the dynamic that's like gone back since as long as I've known her. Like when we worked together, we worked at a restaurant together. We worked at Joe's Crab Shack together. Uh-huh. And and so she would always be like, like try to tell me about like, you know, cause she's been passionate about what she's doing for a long time, you know, and obviously like going to school for it. And it's really cool to see that she's actually doing something with it now. But before it would always be like, you know, don't say that. Don't do that. Kids. I'm like, just like, I'm the total opposite type of person where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go. You know what I mean? Like the worst person to put around kids. Like absolutely the worst person. All so, right. Well then that, that's good that we have a counterbalance now to educate us. Cause absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, I'm on here because I'm super passionate about, like, my latest work, I guess. Um, I don't have much developed, but I have some in, something in the works. And so um, I started my – well, I changed my Instagram name. Originally, I was Storytime Counselor, and I started by creating YouTube videos and reading um, – reading children's books about topics that are difficult that often parents or even adults do not explain to a young child, such as divorce or... um, Yeah, uh, I actually saw some of those. I saw the Divorce Dinosaur one and and I saw the whole thing up there. Oh, cool. And so um, even just emotions and social emotional development and those things. And it started because I had a sixth grade um, student whose dad was in a coma and he didn't want to talk about it, but he loved YouTube and he just loved spending time in my classroom. And so I was like, how can I get him to kind of process his father's death, like indirectly without him really knowing? So I said, hey, start up a YouTube for me, which he did. And he walked me through the whole thing. And then I bought uh, my first book, which is um, Death. And I don't, I don't actually know the title um, right off the bat, but it, it <laughs> like that's basically did talk metal about name for a kid's book right there. Death. death. No, it was like something like walking through death or something of that sort. And so I recorded it. And so the way that I, that I got him to, I guess, process the death was I would tell him like, go watch my video when you're home. And then when you come back from school, like, let me know what I can change and what I can do. And I can see the views. And so I would see that, it, you know, one view turned to 10 and 13 and, you know, and so that was my way of just being able to counsel him without him obviously being ready to talk to me. And so that's just kind of how that YouTube started. I fell off the wagon a bit because life happened. I got married and I started my master's program. Congratulations. Thank you. And so now, um, maybe about a month or two, I started an LLC called Blooming Mindsets. And so I started it because one, I envision myself as an entrepreneur and I feel like anybody in education, we have so many resources to provide the world and often the government does not pay us enough that you have to seek other outlets for income and, um, and also it's a community within itself. And so a lot, there's a really big community on Instagram within teachers, um, counselors are starting to be, um, built within them. 
And the um, one of the websites, Teachers Pay Teachers, is a website where teachers can upload their resources, their lesson plans, kind of what they're doing, and other teachers can buy it. So that way, it just creates like a really great learning community. And so I just figured, you know what? I am very passionate about counseling. Oftentimes, because teachers don't have that uh, training, you know, they go to school to learn how to teach, there's gaps within the classroom with um, whether it's knowing why behavior is happening or how to deal with behavior or how to even talk to sometimes to children who are experiencing trauma or just difficult times in their lives. And so I thought, you know, if I can maybe bridge what I know with teachers, then hopefully it can create just a overall better learning experience for these kids. And so that's just kind of how it started. And my whole platform is through this growth mindset. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, as long as I've known you, you've been studying child development and that seems to be your passion since yes. like the very beginning. So what was it like, when would you say that you kind of realized that you wanted to be a counselor? You know, I was going to school to be a teacher and then I was in the classroom doing my hours and there was one particular student that you can just, you know, with my knowledge that I had, I knew he had some type of intellectual disability or ADHD or maybe trauma like there was something going on this child could not sit still you know he, he had really big issues building relationships with students he just wasn't listening and kind of did his own thing you can tell the class was so annoyed with him and didn't want to mirror him so overall it just seemed like I don't know this kid this kid was crying for help and this was second grade he's now probably a seventh grader mm-hmm. and so um with teachers and their big, like their, um, their loads in the classroom are so big that it's really hard when you have a very difficult child like that to give them that one-on-one because you have your other 25 to 30 kids in the class. And so because I was volunteering and doing my hours, I kind of took the kid under my wing and I try to figure out like, okay, what is his, what is he good at? What, how can I build his strengths to then be able to maybe work with him on what he needs to do in the classroom? And so I I saw that he loved manipulatives and working with his hands and putting things together. And so I just went and I bought puzzles and I brought in crafts. And um, before I, like, I kind of made him the leader because he was so good at putting puzzles together and uh, utilizing craft activities. I kind of made him have the leadership role and teach the other kids. And by the end of my... Um, hours this kid was now liked by the class he was able to at least be redirected um i was talking to the teacher about you know what can we do can we bring his parents in unfortunately he was one of 10 kids parents um both worked yes both parents worked um like two jobs and so you know without parents actually showing up there's very little that teachers or counselors or even principals can do And so, um, but at least I got to see a glimpse of being able to acknowledge like the humanistic characteristics in someone and being able to change those behaviors. And so that's when I was like, I just loved what I did for this kid. I really, at the end of the day, I was like, I don't even care if he knows what two plus two is because he needs to learn how to be friends with someone. He needs to learn how to sit down. He needs to learn how to learn. Yeah, exactly. And so I was like, that's what I want to, like, I want to get the kids that are probably like really rough and then figure out like how we can get their foundations in so that they can then truly learn in the classroom. And so because of him, I was like, I'm going to be a social worker or a therapist. 
And, um, and I went on that path. And it wasn't until I applied for a marriage and family therapist program at Cal State Fullerton. I got denied. At the time, I was teaching at a nonprofit. I was teaching um, positive social emotional life skills. And I got denied. I was devastated because I just thought, okay, what, what next? And one of my coworkers, um, her name's Echo. She's now a school counselor. And I owe her my, you know, my um, career because she kind of saw that I was bummed out. And she's like, you know, what's going on? I, I told her and she's like, well, what do you want to do? And so I'm like, you know what? I love what I'm doing now. I'm in the classroom, but I'm teaching just life skills, like positive things. I'm building self-esteem. And she's like, you're a school counselor. And I said, oh, what? And she's like, you're a school counselor. And so I was like, um, okay, should I just look into it? Let me know. So I did. And then before, within a couple months, I applied at the University of Laverne. I got in and two years later, I graduated. And, you know, now I'm a counselor. And so, um, yeah, I'm really proud of just kind of how life happens. And you're, I guess, I believe in energy. And when you follow your passion, just the universe sets things up for you. Yeah. And so... Now I'm here. Would you say though, with what you, with the counselor thing, because um, obviously a lot of people are trying to be teachers, but yeah. and it's kind of difficult to get jobs as being a teacher these days. You know, especially um, in the field that you want, unless it's math or sciences. At least that's what I've heard. But was okay. it was there a lot of competition with like being to be a counselor? You know what? Yes, really? and the competition is pretty high, just because as for teachers. I mean, yes, there's uh, um, sometimes there's lack of jobs, not so much because we have a lot of the baby boomers starting to retire. So there is there is a lot more um, teacher jobs. Mm. But, you know, there's like 38 teachers to one counselor. And Mm. usually counselors are mostly seen or acknowledged at the high school level. And so at the middle school level, I'm fortunate to be one of two. Mm. And so at the elementary level, it's very rare that districts, at least here in California, because of budgeting and just, I guess, their beliefs to have a counselor at the elementary level. And so, um, but again, you know, just working hard and preaching what you love, I was able to actually get my full-time counseling position a year before I even graduated my graduate program. Mm. And so it was through going back to my own community and my home district and going back to, you know, the counselor that I felt had a really big impact. She wasn't my counselor, but I knew she just was amazing to other people. I went back. I, you know, I worked hard. She gave me a good reference. I saw the job opening and I just applied. I obviously, I didn't even graduate. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a credential, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And I just started applying. And sure enough, I got an interview and um, it was kind of rough though. I'll say this. So I got an interview the next day, they're like, we want to move you forward in the hiring process. I'm like, cool. I quit my counselor intern position at uh, the district that I was interning at. Five weeks later, HR calls and they're like, you know what? We can't hire you because you don't have your master's or your credential. Oh, what the So f- <laughs> oh, <laughs> I know, man. right? So I cried a river for a day. And then I'm like, there's no way. Like, this can't be happening. I like left my counselor intern position that I was getting paid for, for this job. And now I like have nothing. How am I going to finish my hours, my program? And so, um, I contacted another counselor within the district. I said, Hey, you know what? I just need to do my hours. Let's move forward. And I, I, it so happened that 
at my counselor intern position the year before, one of the fifth grade teachers retired and became a board member at the district that I'm at now. Mm. So I contact her and I'm like, hey, what's going on? Help me out. And she loved me. And she always kept telling me, hey, I want, I want you in my district. And so I contacted her. She contacted superintendent. The next day I had HR calling me back and saying, hey, you know, send us your units. Like they were kind of... I don't know. They were like, who's this girl that now has a superintendent involved and a board member? And I got the job. And so now I'm here. Persistence. Yeah. It's that, again, it's kind of that growth mindset of, okay, failures suck, right? But then it's like, okay, what, what do you need to do now? Or what, how can you move forward? And so that's what growth mindset is all about is, you know, when you find a failure is figuring out, well, what's my next step or how, what, how can I fix this? so that I can be empowered or move on. Cool. Well, that's awesome. So what you were talking about earlier was some books. Like what are your some what are some of the books like I haven't obviously read any of those children's books. Are we talking like Dr. Seuss books? Are we talking like no. uh, like what kind of books are we talking about? Cuz I was I was I'm really interested cuz I'm like started illustrating myself and like I kind of like got into the idea of trying to create like a new version of kids books, you know? Ah, oh, well don't be taking my ideas because that's definitely <laughs> what I'm in the works of doing. Um, but just some of the books that I have on my... Um, so who do you got drawing your, your the, the illustrations for your books? Or are they not going to be illustrations? Well, I've been doing some research and I guess when you go to, you send your manuscript to a publisher, mm-hmm. you actually don't get to, according to the, um, you don't know, Google, you don't really <laughs> get to pick your illustrator right away. It's just kind of like you're throwing your idea out there, hoping someone's going to take it. And they kind of provide illustrators for you i'm guessing you get to pick according to your theme and story um because yeah definitely like as far as illustrators i have um my brother-in-law so he's my sister-in-law's brother um, brother-in-law he um has been working on my logo and creating templates for me and so he hasn't graduated, but he's super passionate about it. So I would love to have him as my illustrator one day. But obviously through my research, I'm like, okay, well, I just got to throw myself out there first and then help the people who have helped me after. Um, but yeah, some of the books that are out there, one of my like, one of my first books that kind of made me like fall in love with the idea, of, it's called Bibliotherapy, is um, Cupcake. And it's a simple story of a plain vanilla cupcake. And he has siblings who are super colorful and they all have something creative about them and so he goes on this journey of like what's so special about me I'm plain and so he meets um was it a oh my god it's been a while since I've been out of the elementary game um but he meets uh not a I think it's a squirrel or a pea and so this like P starts to give him ideas of how to become more creative or be a better cupcake. And so everything he tries on just doesn't fit. And eventually he just kind of comes to the conclusion that he's special just the way he is, being vanilla, being plain, because that's what makes him special. And so um, that was one of the first books that I utilized to kind of talk, have that discussion with kindergartners about like what makes you special or like what do you have to offer that nobody else does? And so I think that's the magic of these children's books and just books in general that talk about topics that no one's really 
maybe asking kids sometimes. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was that was one of the first books. Well, I, I mean, don't. That's that's some heavy stuff that I think a lot of you know that's that's relevant to to teenagers and stuff like that. So breaking those concepts down to you know to be able to speak to the kids at that level, that is, I mean, that's not easy to do. I, I think have, realistically too. I wouldn't steal your idea because I couldn't relate to kids as well. And I could, cause I feel like I am a big kid. I think that I would do the same thing, but for adults, cause I think adults could benefit from this sort of thing too. Like in a very like simple way. If you just, yes. <laughs> like, and one of my favorite, like I'm obsessed with Dallas Clayton. Part of my, um, you know, my husband proposed with the Dallas Clayton, um, art piece. And so he writes children's books, but he also has kind of adult books and it's very poetic in a sense where, you know, one of his favorite quotes that I like to constantly say is, you know, life is tough, but so are you. And so he just has very like poetic things about, you know what, things happen, but let's move forward. And as adults, we don't have it all together, but we also have to just keep going. And so, but how special would it be to be able to instill that in a child so that when they're an adult, it's second nature. You don't even have to struggle through that. You just kind of you're there, you're being successful. You know, we're, we're instilled with so many of these, you know, these, I mean, they're, I guess they're called platitudes now, but they're just these core, you know, pieces of life that are like always true. And you see them in all these kids' books and they get, you know, amplified and sometimes a little bit distorted as you become an adult. But that is so, I mean, relevant to, to anybody, you know, anybody can take those same concepts and really put it in there and have that drive their, their story, their art, whatever it might be. So that's awesome. Yeah, and not all children books. Like, you know, there's very specific ones like Wilma Jean, The Worry Machine by Julia Cook, which is one of my um, one of my second books that I utilize. And it's it's talking really about anxiety and what to do with things that you. Um, it walks through this little girl about okay, anxiety is real, worries are real, but what can we do about them? And so they kind of walk her through talking about things you can control and things that you can't. And so, um, you know, those books are very specific, counseling related, therapeutic, but then there's simple children's books like, um, I don't know. Everybody poops. Which one? Everybody poops. Hop on pop. Oh yeah. (laughs) No, I'm I'm going to classes. I I think I've seen that one. Um, Hop on pops with Dr. Seuss. Yeah. Yeah. What's another one? It's like the giraffe can't dance. And so through that story, I mean, it's nothing very like specific. But it talks about this giraffe that can't dance. There he's being laughed at. And then eventually he finds his grooves and everybody likes him because he's just doing his own thing. So you can always, I feel like you can take literature and if you reframe it in a positive way or in a way that creates growth, then you can have those really deep discussions, even if the kid is five years old. Mm. Or we could teach the giraffes to dance. That too. What they've always wanted to do. Wow, I like I like that concept already. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what was that word you used before? Bibliotherapy. Bibliotherapy. Yeah. Okay. Would is that like? Would you say that's like the the overarching umbrella? I'm just, I'm just taking the words there and yeah. you know assuming what that that's therapy through books, right? Pre- yeah, pretty much. Okay. So it's being able, you know, with like I said, like with small children at five, they might not be able to express like very structured conversations, such as you know, my daddy left and I'm sad because. Mm-hmm developmentally their brains are not developed yet but you know if you show them a story about a a fish whose dad died you know you might be like oh how do you think that fish felt and the kid might be like that you know sad he maybe cries at night which kind of gives you an idea of maybe what the child is going through and then you can walk them through that in an indirect way because again kids don't often know 
Okay, so that's using that's using the books as like a, a jumping off point for you to start digging in there and, and yeah, seeing definitely. kind of where you know the heart of some of these issues might be. Yeah, it's just like play therapy. You know, sometimes therapists will give a a child like a Barbie and a like toy a boy Barbie, I guess, and okay. so they're like, oh, play house, and so the kids will just play house, but the therapist will get to see like oh, is dad yelling at mom or how is mom reacting? Because they're really going to, I mean, they learn from observed behavior. So they're really just going to go in and do what they know. And so that gives a lot of information to the therapist to be like, oh, okay, I think this is, it paints a picture as to what may be going on. So then they can provide appropriate resources for the, for the child or conversations, I guess. That is, that's fascinating. I like that. Yeah. Um, so you like you you kind of realized while you were going on the path to being a teacher what your particular niche was going to be. You you've discovered what your passion was through that. Now when you decided initially to just go the teaching route, yeah. what, what was what was that like for you? Because I personally did the same thing too, but I I don't even really like you know know why. I just was like, oh, this is something I think I could do. What were you, were you super passionate about teaching one thing back then? You know what? No, I was on the like when I graduated high school. One, I didn't necessarily know if I was going to go to college. I kept saying that I wasn't, just because again, like I wasn't educated on. There's FAFSA or these are your these are like your um, resources or options, and so. Uh, you know, my mom's a chemist in Mexico, but she doesn't know how to navigate the educational world here in the United States. And so there was only, you know, she could just support me and be like, yeah, I, I, you know, I wish you the best, but couldn't really walk me through that stuff. And so two months before senior year, and I loved fashion, I still do. Um, not that you can tell very much, but <laughs> I was going to uh, say, God, why didn't you dress up for coming here? You know what? <laughs> if only people can see these leopard shoes. <laughs> oh, they are. They actually do look pretty cool. Yeah. And oh, so, fresh, okay. I'm wearing climbing yeah. pants and Phil's wearing like, yeah, like he's got a gap between his long socks and his sweatpants. And, yeah. Long socked with stripes. Like I'm styling the fuck out of yeah. it. No, Ball think, that's why we do an audio only podcast. Man, so I don't, have to, I don't have to dress up for this. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, like my passion was fashion. Fashion and I thought I wanted to be a fashion merchandiser to purchase clothes for big mm-hmm. stores. And um, I thought that was my passion. I picked Fullerton College because they had a good fashion program. And, you know, like any community college, you start with your general ed. And um, my third year came up. I kind of had to make a decision. I real At that moment, I, I realized, like, I loved clothes. But did I love it enough to just make a life out of it? Like... I loved clothes, but I also realized like that's just very materialistic and it's just clothes. Like how happy or like what a difference can I really make with clothes? Not that you can't. There's plenty of ways now, especially with um, ethical consumption, which uh, that's another passion of mine now. Um, But at the moment I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. I have to pick something. I come from a family of educators. My aunt was a principal. Lots of my cousins are teachers. And my mom always told me, you're going to be a great teacher my teachers would tell me like, you're going to be a great teacher. Cause I was always a, like the teacher's helpful pet, I guess, mm. in the class. And <laughs> I was always a little bit advanced than others. So I would, I would teach them. And so that was always like in the back of my mind. And I always thought I'm just, that's going to be like my plan C. There's no way. So I took a child development class and then I did really well because I liked learning about how a baby grew in the womb, ironically. And so, um, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to become a teacher just to pick something. And 
you know, it just turned out that it really was one of my passions. And so sometimes I know adults can tell kids, oh, you're going to be a lawyer or you're going to be a doctor. And sometimes they do it for their own, I guess, selfish benefit. But in this case, like I wish I would have just kind of listened to those that truly cared about me and were around me because maybe I would have started a little bit earlier. But, you know, again, failures lead you to the right way sometimes. Yeah, it all kind of shapes, you know, who you are. And maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe if you had always gone this route, what if you're like, hmm, I wonder what it would have been like to be like in fashion or be a fashion merchandiser. But now you've actually explored that road a little bit and realized that it wasn't quite as fulfilling as the teaching is. So that informs, you know, how good you are now at this. Go back to ethical consumption. Tell us more about that. Oh my God. So I'm obsessed with a uh, middle school history teacher on Instagram. Um, Her name is too cool for middle school. And I I hope I don't sound (laughs) psycho, but I just think like she's so cool because of just her stance and how passionate she is about one history and her students and um and just about the world and i i learned i I watched a documentary a couple months ago and it's it was like fast fashion it's on netflix and you know through that i realized just how um through fashion people have almost become more poor in the documentary it talks about how our middle class has decreased as our clothing price minimize so for example you know you have forever 21 you can go buy a camisole for maybe three dollars and so we've had the we've now created this mindset of consumerism where oh that shirt's three dollars no big deal i'll go buy one today even if it gets ruined after two washes no big deal it's three dollars but it's this same mindset of okay well you're spending three dollars every three weeks for the same camisole you could have spent that on a more like ethical brand that maybe would have cost you a little bit more at up front like thirty dollars but this shirt would last you two three years right and so i was like oh my god that like why didn't i ever think of that and so that kind of started um the whole process of me buying only what i needed not so much what i wanted yeah and um, creating capsule clothing. So just buying really plain clothing that you can mix and match and still be fashionable and ethical. And, you know, when I um, follow started following this teacher on Instagram, she did a, um, she, you know, she just kind of started talking about ethical clothing and fair wage clothing about where we're buying our clothes and where we're putting our money towards. And I just... You know, I've, I've come to the conclusion where I just want to be really intentional of where my money goes. Mm. I don't want to give it to big corporations so that, you know, CEOs can go buy their fourth summer home. Right. Like I'd rather buy something that's going to be within my own community. That's going to really help maybe a parent provide something for their child instead of someone who doesn't even know who I am, you know. And so that just kind of started the whole um that whole conversation and mindset. And so now I, I'm really being more intentional about where I'm buying, even how much clothes I own and like having a minimalist mindset, which my husband, you know, kind of thinks I'm crazy about. But, well, that's, you know. That's super trendy right now. I've seen a bunch of that on Instagram. Well, that's what too. I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Well, well trendy. See, here's the thing is I can't tell whether it's an uprising trend or whether it's always been there. And I was just always way more of the person that would because I, I still do look and see so many superficial people that are buying and consuming yeah. like they you know they're just buying 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 and it's ridiculous but like I do see 
they're at least maybe now just because I'm in it more yeah. of this support your local artist, support your local this support support no, I, local I, business. I, I can say it's definitely been something that has been on the rise. Right. Like that the whole minimal minimalism um, mindset. You know, there it's there great. actually has yeah. been like a big a big jump in that and too because people are all starting to understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. It's great because I personally stress the fuck out all the time because I have so much shit. And I don't know I don't want to call or put like my dad or my sister or anybody that like family friend on blast but like you know it's kind of like growing up in a household where it's like always save things because you never know when you could need them especially if you're not like you know like super wealthy to where you could just afford to dispose of anything that you know like just get rid of things so it's kind of like this thing you know my dad would always bring home stuff and it was just like do you think you might need this and it's like in my head like no not really but you know we're just like okay we're taught to just save it for another thing and, and at least my dad's really organized you know <laughs> he could like store and put things away my shit is like all over the place and it's like coming home well that's, it, that's that is a well understood like topic of when you look at the mindset of people who you know have been economically disadvantaged you know it's like it's like a poor mindset is having to having to save things like that because yeah. you know maybe if you're if you're better off you know you're like oh okay these clothes i can donate this couch i can go put out there but and i was like just reading this this week so it's interesting that you bring that up how you know you can look at that and you can say, okay, maybe that couch is also like 50 bucks, you know, or maybe there's somebody else in the community that could definitely use this. And so you tend to hold on to things. And so this whole minimalism trend is like, it's, it's by its nature, kind of a little bit upper middle class, you know, right. like, like at least in the way people are like, yeah, no, you just do this and do that. And then right. I, I saw actually this great breakdown recently. It's like, well, no, this is, again, this is a little bit of a, this is coming from a place of privilege yeah, and yeah. here's why. It's kind of like the people that tell you, oh, just quit your job, bro. You only live once. Just quit your job. And you're like, that's, I mean, I get where you're coming from and I totally understand that it would be freeing and liberating. But at the same time, I kind of have to worry about what I would do if shit didn't go well when you don't, <laughs> you know, like if you were to just come back, you'd probably be taken care of. It could start off somewhere else just as easily. Okay. You know, it, it's kind of, it, you're right. It's in. And in the the place that it's coming from, when when people say that, you know, sort of like it becomes this thing of like, well, shit, like you know, wh where are you coming from with that? Like, you know, like what yeah. are you privileged? Are you not privileged? And I mean, and I have friends that do it that are taking a leap for sure. Like, you know, certain other friends that that's kind of what they preach, but they they really just happen to have made it for themselves and. I think that it's great in a way for teaching certain people that, you know, it's not about material things and it's not about this systematic way. So there's, there's definitely good and bad to it, you know? Um, yeah. And I was going to say that I think one of the documentaries, I think it's called like the minimalist, right? Yeah. Which is on Netflix, which a lot of people have, um, I think, you know, kind of started this trend. It is very privileged, you know, it shows a lot of, um, Caucasian males, one that's just like traveling the world. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm doing this, but it's like, that's such a privilege. Like someone yeah. from a Hispanic background, like I'm like, I would be n like, never be able to do that. Not because maybe I couldn't afford it, but just because of the culture that, like, you know, we're not individualistic, like often Americans are, you know, we're more of, um, you know, we're within a community and if you're successful, then your community is successful. And so I don't definitely, I don't think minimalism is for everyone or nor do I think that I expect everyone to understand it because I do think that there's a, a privilege Well, the with question that. is, can it be? Yeah, like, well, I don't and know. This is my, so. my goal with that would be really educating um, low social economic families about consuming better, you know, about telling them, hey, you know what? I know that 
maybe these sneakers are $10 and that's all you can do right now. But if maybe, you know, you can hold off for two more weeks and buy the $30 sneakers that are going to last six months, you know, so really teaching them it's the investment, not, you know, not so much because again, like we're so stuck on just buying what's quick, buying what's cheap because that's what we can do. But that same mindset of consumerism has also kept us poor. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's it, the general overall idea is that less is more in a lot of ways is good. You know, you don't need to have this many things, but is it practical for everybody? Not necessarily, you know, and like, you're right, you know, it just is, it just so happens to be that it's not one of the things that statistically speaking, you see mm -hmm. a lot of uh, minority uh, people doing, you know, you don't really have that kind of, that kind of privilege. Well, part of, I think, I think at the very least that you can, you, I mean, Actually, no, not at the very least, but you can, you know, take the ethical consumption, you know, part of that, you know, internally yeah. mm -hmm. and, and, and you can use some of the things that you would, that you would learn from that. And I think, um, what's that? There's like a, some kind of parable or something like that. That's about the, like the boots, like, uh, you know, uh, the rich man buys the boots and they last him like three years. Poor man buys the boots for 100, but has to rebuy them four more times. You know, it's like, um, Shit, I'm trying to remember what the hell it was. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. That's not important. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the concept that you're talking yeah, about is exactly, that, exactly. yeah, you know, and often those who are more um, economically advantaged are able to truly make these investments, which makes it easier for them, which keeps them rich, which, you know, keeps them doing what they're doing. And it is much harder for someone... Um, with a low socioeconomic background, but I still find that maybe there could be a balance. And so even within myself, with this minimalism and, you know, with the, the new, um, with these mindsets that I'm having, you know, I don't, I think some people take it to the extreme and I think that's great. But then I also just think that you have to find your own personal balance right. of what works within your home and what works for you. Right. Well, and, and so to touch on another thing, not necessarily about like traveling and stuff, but when it comes to like materialism, name brands and stuff, I did happen to grow up with, and I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not privileged myself. Like I'm definitely like, I, we were not super wealthy, but we were not ever having to worry about where we were going to get food, whether we were going to have clothes. Like, you know, I've definitely been supported very well. So I'm kind of in the middle where like I can kind of get a little bit of both sides. And I have friends that always needed because I it's like I liked nice things, but I wasn't like all about the top of the line, like Jordans or, you know, the nicest shoes that came out or having roll. I never I couldn't even keep a watch for longer than a week, yet alone think about owning a Rolex. And I had friends that were just like so much about like, and I remember one of my friends, and I'm not going to say his name if he happens to listen, but, you know, he was just like, I was like, why? I was like, why do you care so much about that kind of stuff? Dude, why do you have to have it? He's like, dude, you don't understand what it's like to grow up poor. He's like, I have to have this stuff. I have to make it. I have to get rich. Like, that was his whole thing. I have to get rich because mm -hmm. it sucks being that person that is poor when all of these other people are having these things. So it's definitely this, like trying to catch up uh, mentality with, with somebody else, like trying to have what yeah. other people have to make themselves feel like, and, and it goes along with the whole rap thing. You know, I heard, I heard somebody say something very interesting about, um, this, this guy, this magician guy that was like going on and saying all this stuff. He was like a street performer, but he was talking and, and getting real about how rappers, you know, a lot of the times when they're over there flaunting about what they got, what they have and all this stuff, it's not because they really care about those things. It's because they're trying to show you that to them, because they they come from not having money, that money isn't a thing. Like they'll throw away their money on this and that. I don't know how true that is for most of them, but I would say that that's a pretty like that sentiment all of a sudden became like fuck. I guess that like you know, 
That's an I interesting can... explanation. I feel like I would have I heard that if that was explicitly like one of the points there. But I think to bring all this full circle, like a lot of these issues that we're talking about are like about a change of, of mindset and mentality. And like to have the, you know, kind of minimalist individualism like that in itself is kind of a privilege. It's like, hey, you've always known and been shown how the world, you know, works and how to like get, up, get ahead and all this stuff. And, and literally that knowledge is not available to a lot of people you know, in, in poor communities and stuff like that. And so that's yeah. why I think what you're doing actually like is, is great because that's a, the most effective way is to just change, you know, affect change general generationally. Yeah. And the hope would be is that if you feel really good about yourself, then you're not going to need those materialistic things. But I definitely understand that complex you just uh, mentioned because I grew up very poor and just like I mentioned, I want to go into the fashion industry because it's looks sounded so glamorous and, I mean, I still like see some designers and I'm like, oh my God, you know, I, I always told my sister, when you make it rich, buy me a Chanel bag. That's all I want. And, you know, I still say that now, but now that I think about it, I'm like, really, I don't think I'd feel comfortable carrying like a $3,000 bag knowing that, you know, kids are hungry or something. Well, especially because you could probably find stuff that looks way cooler that's not designer at all, like from a thrift store. At least that's what I've found in my older age. Yeah. Like, but, but again, it was it, it, it's that complex that you talked about. Yeah. It's like I grew up so poor that my passion and dedication has always been like, let I'm going to be successful. I never really knew what I was going to do or what, but it that has always been my thing. I'm going to be successful so that I can have enough money to be able to provide and take care of my family. And so now that I, you know, have reached a level of success, I'm able to kind of change that mentality. But I, but again, I speak in a very privileged way because now I'm sitting with, um, you know, with a profession, a master's degree, and now I'm preaching this. But at the moment, like back in the day, you know, when I didn't have these mentalities, I was totally falling into the materialistic stuff to make myself feel better or feel like, you know, I'm doing something right. Mm -hmm. And so my hope would be that if, you know, you can develop your self-esteem and who you are, then, you know, if you want to buy those things because they make you, they truly make you happy, then go for it. But if you're buying them for others or for your look or to fill the void that, I don't know, you know, that you're missing, then maybe that's another choice you need to make. Right. So now off, to, off topic from what we were just talking about, yeah. but back to, you know, the students and how you noticed that there was a kid that, you know, kind of needed more guidance, more help in, in the way of how to, you know, socialize and how to learn and so I, I grew up, my brother, uh, you know, and understood a little bit about like the special needs um, community. And mm. so back then there was so much less um, of offered to, you know, anybody who had disabilities. In fact, like when my brother was younger, it was kind of like you, they lumped them all together into one classroom in each district where it was just like the range of all of their disabilities was so, and, and then in high school, you know, like it was either you go to the one school that in each district that that's where they all go like in, and then mm-hmm. everything else at a school is just ELD English uh disability like they don't they, it's English in, learners English yeah. learners so they're mm-hmm. not they don't understand that so that was kind of kind of the distinction so you know but in the regular population of people that don't technically and I, I mean we've seen since the since they've developed all of these different programs for these people that that you know, it's really hard to classify people into any specific, yeah, I feel like specific disability. A <laughs> so yeah, and that yeah. goes along with even in the the people that don't necessarily have disabilities or trouble learning things, but like 
just in the way of, you know, like feeling good about themselves, like, you know, because of their families and the way that they're, they're brought up and what they're taught by their families. Like, you know, it has nothing to do with the fact that they're capable of learning, um, you know, math or, or any of this the subjects. It's more like in the way of like, well, this person just doesn't get along with people. He doesn't know how to do that. So yeah. like, what do you, what do you think like, you know, is the cause of, of that for the most part with kids like that? Like what causes like, like that they're kind of like, yeah, or? like, they, you know, they just go through, like, is it just very all across the board or what statistically is kind of the thing that, you know, puts them into this social awkwardness or this, this way where they just can't really relate to people and they can't really, mm-hmm. you know, get that's, down to it. Yeah. That's a really good question. I mean, special, you know, special ed is not my, right. my specialty and I don't know much. I will say that I feel things have gotten better. You know, um, we have really passionate special ed teachers that are fighting for their students to be in a classroom and less segregated and really providing them that uh, those additional resources so that they can still be in a classroom with your general ed population. But as far as like these, you know, social emotional, um, I guess, um, gaps, you would say, I think that there's there's a lot and there's not one thing because anything can traumatize a child. And, you know, like, you know, we now have the, well, now, now, but, you know, we have autism, which April is Autism Awareness Month. Mm. And so um, that's one thing that every year, you know, there's more research and we find out more information, but yet there's still a lot of things that are unanswered that we really don't know as to what is the cause. And so, um, but at least for me, like what I would like to get caught up in is, what can we do? Like, okay, so obviously you're here. This is what you're lacking. How can we build those, res- how can we build those skills? And so, um, so yeah, I don't know. There's, there's a lot, there's intellectual disabilities, there's trauma. Um, there's, you know, low, li- like growing up in a low socioeconomic community. Obviously, you know, you hear these um, success stories and that's amazing but then there's you know behind that one success story there's you know a couple kids that you know maybe just didn't get there or didn't have the right mindset in a sense to be like you know I can get out of this and just you know stayed within that community and fell into whatever the community was doing and just kind of kept the cycle going so like that kind of brings it full circle to again that mental health is how do you break these cycles in families to for students to experience less trauma, you know, experience less um, gaps in the education, less gaps in resources. And so, um, you know, the key would be kind of providing that, you know, mental health awareness and education. Well, and just being there for them because you can never completely prevent it. You can just keep on working to yeah. try to like fix yeah, it I mean, from here. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, the sky's the limit as for what can what can cause some of these issues. And, you oh, know, yeah. a lot of the times, it's, I mean, tragically, it's completely out of these kids' control. Definitely. You know, stuff just happens to them, you know. And I think, um, you know, I mean, I guess I got to tie it back to, uh, have you guys ever seen The Wire? I no. consider it the greatest show of all time hmm. and the greatest season of all time follows like a group of kids when they're like growing up in, you know, the rough, rough part of Baltimore, but mm. you know, they're all innocent, happy, hanging out and stuff like that. And over the rest of the show, you kind of see what happens to them and you see them slowly like lose their innocence event by mm. event. Yeah. And almost all of it is completely out of their control. Stuff just happens or they trust somebody who was supposed to help them like a, like a, 
you know, social worker or something like that. Yeah. And something with the system ends up going. So it's like they wanted to help and then the system cut them off. And then that just ruined their life. And you see the yeah. whole cycle start over again. And it's it really is heartbreaking. It's something that I wish more people would understand. watch like shows because... like Shameless though. Like, because then it becomes like so shameless. And then you're just like, <laughs> this sucks because these kids are like becoming, learning how to become like terrible people, but it's not their fault. Like, you know, like, they're not terrible, but, like, they're just doing terrible things and there's, like, nothing they could do about it. Like, they're, like, destined yeah. for this kind of nonsense. It's, like, really who, who, like, it's just a matter of luck as to who could actually get out of that, you know? Because they, yeah. it's really weird how it's all across the board, but I, I can't watch it because I just feel too, like, oh, man, like, I feel bad for these kids. It's so frustrating yeah. to me how, you know, so many people are like, well, you know, why don't they just, uh, you know like stay in school and like you know work harder than apply for the like the the fafsa it's like dude okay your experience is not right typical over there you, I didn't you get... can't even begin to fathom what these kids are going through so how dare you say like why don't they just do this like no we need to be helping them and you know doing this because it's it's cultural yeah it's yeah Here, in there. here's why that, that whole system at least when i went to school fucking sucked because like i was somewhere teetering on the line of not being a, like i like, like I said, we weren't rich or anything, but we just had went over the point of not being able to get uh, financial aid mm. from from the schools. And so, like, here I was, you know, having to pay, like, my parents, you know, supporting me to through going to college and stuff like that. But, like, limited in a lot of ways where then I had all these other friends that were going and they were just, like, totally not using that money that they were getting for school. And they were, like, doing other things with it. But I was just like, what the fuck? Like, the system itself... I don't know how much it's gotten better since then. Has it? Do you, you know guys what? have any? I mean, I don't. I don't know if it's gotten better. I definitely think, um, Faf, you know, FAFSA. Um, Michelle Obama, you know, has a, a really great campaign, and you know, it's reach higher, and it's all about, um, you know, that college awareness piece and getting, you know, more students into college. And I feel like FAFSA's. I mean, it's like a, you know, it's a government program that you you qualify or you don't qualify. And then the hope would be that if you qualify and you have that opportunity is that you take that opportunity. You know, we can't control people's choices. And I think that's, again, why I bring it back to this growth mindset is because it really, it's a choice that you have to make every single day. And it's really hard to almost be like a, you know, like a awake individual because you almost have to try so much harder than if you're just like ignorant, you know, that comment like, mm -hmm. or that statement, ignorance is bliss. Sometimes it is because once you know about something, it's hard to shut it off and just kind of live as if you don't know it. But with that growth mindset, it, you know, what I love about it is that it doesn't matter what social economic status you are, what gender, what um, community you come from. It's about your thoughts and how you decide to want to live your life. Like your life may still suck, but you can think, you can reframe those thoughts into something a little bit more positive just to get you to the next step. Mm -hmm. Once you get to that next step, and, you know, maybe you fail again, then maybe you reframe your thoughts to continue and to continue until hopefully, you know, you get to a place where you are being successful right. and whatever success means, you know, to that person, because right. it means a lot of things. And so, um, 
Well, it goes like with this quote, this that I that I had on this like business card right above my desk, which has been phrased in many different ways. But it's basically like life is ten percent of what happens to you, and ninety percent of how you choose to react to it. Yes, I and love that. And that's like the most the simplest way to put it because it is a choice. Like I tell people all the time when people read away, and not related to school or anything mm -hmm. like that, but when it comes to being optimistic, because I get accused all the time. Well, you're just overly optimistic. You're not looking at the problems. Like no, it's not about what's happening with the problem is, but it's like, you know, if you could sit down and think about it for a second, you can control how you move forward from that situation yes. and the, the, the mindset. Cause, and then when you start to notice like the energy and your you know, the, like when you start to have better thoughts about things and have a better outlook on the shitty situation that you're about to get into, things start to just naturally go better than if you're yeah. just like, a, it's like working in a restaurant. We were like, when you're in the weeds and you're just like, oh you could either just kind of like laugh and say, you know what, fucking, we're going to get through this. We're going to be out of here in a few hours. Or you could be like, oh fuck, I'm drowning in the weeds. And you're just like, I hate fucking hate this table. And the next thing you know, you got, got a shittier tip or somebody says one thing and you're like, ah, like I'm about to explode on somebody. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It, it's, it's really, it's like so, it's simple, but gets so complex. And so I mentioned that today I um, presented on growth mindset to teachers and, you know, some. Well, can, can I, can I stop you for a second? Yeah. Can we, can we, uh, you know, define that a little more? Cause I'm, I'm growth sure, mindset? I think we talked about it a little bit at the top, but like what, what can, is, can you, yeah. Can you yeah, pitch yeah, us? Yeah. Kind of so, I mean, I'll kind of start from where I even learned about it. So I, got into a phase of really like loving and listening to educational TED Talks because again, I was trying to kind of figure out, am I doing the teacher thing? Am I going to become a social worker? What's going on? And so, um, again, like I said, I've, I've always wanted to be successful and I, I, you know, I, I had that in my mind. And so I ran into this TED Talk about like what makes people successful. And even through the end of my undergraduate degree, a lot of what we were um, researching was how psychology was taking a turn for more of the positive. For so long, psychologists studied what makes people like crazy or what's wrong with people where, you know, this new era came of like, well, what is working and what can like, how can we take maybe like a recipe and create more successful people? And so I ran into the TED Talk by Angela Lee Duckworth, and it was on grit. And so um, she talked about how, um, I forgot what her first job was, but she went into teaching and she realized that, you know, there was very intelligent students. There was kind of like the middle students and the low students. And she noticed that even the most intelligent students sometimes just kind of lacked the drive to be successful. Like they had everything there to be the best student, but were kind of lazy about it. And yet, you know, maybe you had that low student or the middle student who had more of that grit. And so um, she describes grit as the passion and determination to, you know, reach your goal. And so that really sparked her interest. She started researching um, different careers and different people in success and even starting started to observe like um, she said she went into certain jobs and she would observe people kind of by by their work ethic not so much their intelligence but and she started to be able to pinpoint like who was going to quit and who was going to like stay for the long run and so she ended up finding that um Grit is that one thing in successful people. It's that passion and that determination to kind of keep going. And so within her video, she talks about, you know, so how do we create grit, right? Because now everybody wants grit. And how do we get passion and determination in students? And so she's like, we don't know. 
you know, research was not out yet. We really, you know, we can't figure it out. She's like, but there is this concept of growth mindset. And so growth mindset is the, um, it's an idea that you have of yourself. And we have different mindsets for maybe how you play a sport and maybe who you are as an artist or a teacher or even a, a daughter or a son. You know, we all have these like ideas of who we are. And so she talked about how this growth mindset is just, reframing our almost negative ideas of who we are and creating more of this growth mindset. And so there's the two, there's a fixed mindset of like, you know, I suck at math. That's fixed mindset. You're pretty much letting that be it. And then there's a growth mindset of, um, you know, what am I missing? Like, am I maybe lacking in multiplication? And if I practice multiplication, am I now good at math? And so um, that's kind of where I, the whole growth mindset um, was brought up for me. And then um, just throughout my own education, um, Carol Dweck is the one that, the psychologist that really had this whole um, research when she came out with a book. And so, um, so yeah, growth mindset is the idea of being able to always improve, being that lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. And if you have that mindset, then there's really no nothing stopping you. Not right. even a failure because you're like you're like almost willing to fail because you understand that that's okay and that you're still going to learn something. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so now going back to this, I, I was a kid that I always wanted to try different things growing up, but then I was kind of in a way discouraged from it, you know, because people, I think back then, and especially because, like, you know, when you graduated from high school, not really knowing if you're going to go to college. I kind of was like, well, I'm going to go to this junior college. But I wasn't, you know, like the kids that were in my honors classes that, like, by the time they were sophomores already knew where they were going to go and yeah. had all that, like, you know, the, the idea that they could pick something that young before they even developed into, like, you know, who they were as adults or whatever, figuring out what they wanted to do. Do you think that that's, like, a good or a bad thing to get somebody on a track to one single thing? Or if, should you try to get them to experience and try out so many different things just to see you know she's her own she's her own best example right there right yeah i I mean i i think again we have to i be aware of just people's own personal risk factors but i feel like education is really changing you know it's not um it's not that concept of sit down be quiet and you know fill out this worksheet and regurgitate whatever you're reading from the book like education is really taking a turn because really the only thing between a teacher and google is basically the connection those relationships that person that's going to motivate you to keep going and so education has really taken a turn for the positive where You know, kids are being more exploratory. We're asking them to be more critical thinkers and problem solvers because the way our world's going, like we need these young children to pretty much fix a lot of the mistakes that we've made. And so, yes, I mean, I think there's that healthy balance of, or there needs to be a healthy balance of risk taking and, you know, still being aware of what you're doing. I wouldn't go and say, oh, let your kid do absolutely everything so that they can, you know, because... Again, that could be detrimental and may, you know, cause trauma, which then may stop them from even trying anything again. You really have to be case by case. Yeah, case by case and truly understand the child and what the child is almost asking of, you know, for yourself. I mean, I didn't know you as a child, but if you were that kid that, you know, was constantly exploring and wanted to like touch things and um, figure things out. You know, if that's something that was like innate in you as a parent, 
Like, why should I take that away from you? You know, obviously as a parent, I'm there to create some boundaries for you to keep you safe and, yeah. you know, provide think, that guidance. Yeah. Well, I think that the boundaries for myself were actually kind of a good thing, even though, because I think that my natural rebellious nature is kind of to, to, to go and do that anyways. And at least they had like instilled some sort of foundation where like, if I were to just have gone off on doing whatever I want, you're right. I probably could have just like on my own thought I was going to be a failure. But the fact that somebody was telling me like, no, you got to do this and this and that. And like me wanting to try more, it came, it gave me that grit. That was like the way I got that grit you know yeah. like that was no, like my way of sense. like saying like hey like this is what i want to do what do you think though about like standardized testing as a way to go about trying to see whether somebody's qualified to do anything i always had a problem with that because some people just aren't good at fucking taking tests the same way that other people are like sitting down and you know taking these sats and shit like that yeah. that a lot of kids cheat on or that they study enough just to, to regurgitate and you know like just get a good score and then not really retain and learn the information. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of changing. I think obviously education is, is on a a path of having this growth mindset, right. Of Mm -hmm. figuring out ways of testing all students where, um, it's not, you know, where maybe a, a Caucasian student, may answer a question correctly but because based on their experiences compared to maybe a african-american student who hasn't experienced it and not because they're not intelligent it's just they didn't have that opportunity and so i definitely think that that's that has been a topic for a while about making standardized testing uh more equitable for all students and so um what, so, so then yeah. how do you split it up at that point, though? Is it based on race or economical, like, well, position? Because, I mean, now there's can be, you know, it, I think at a certain point, you know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily matter about the color of your skin as much as about, like, you know, what class of society you belong to. Well, if I can interject for a second here, like, um, do, you, do you know the name of that psycho- that very famous psychological experiment that they did where they had um, people take tests and they um, they showed, what was it? I, th- I think they primed everybody ahead of time for mm-hmm. like some kind of standardized test. And they go like, okay, yeah, well, you know, women don't tend to be as, you know, don't tend to do as well in this one, but you know, you know, good, good job. Like you guys can do this, you know? Yeah. And then that was, there was a direct correlation there between like lower scores and that little primer. And, uh, I think there was also something, I think they did another similar thing with, uh, black people versus, you know, white people or black people versus just other you know, yeah. and they saw they saw a direct correlation between their mentality going into the test and what they could do there. And then they had, I think, part of that experiment was also uh, it, they said at the beginning, like, okay, this test is kind of it's kind of weird. It's a, it's uh, arranged in a unique way that like doesn't really benefit anybody or something to that effect. And yeah. everybody you know, totally evened out. So it's not that they're smarter, but it is about the mentality that goes into it, right? And I love that you mentioned that because that's kind of. The trickiness of, of growth mindset. And, um, you know, part of the, my presentation today to the teachers was, you know, Carol Dweck going back to her initial research and really reflecting on, you know, what she came out. So when she came out with this growth mindset, you know, people loved the idea, ran with it, you know, but now she, you know, she's reflecting on, is it being facilitated intentionally and actually giving, so growth mindset is yes, it's motivational, reframing your thoughts, but it's truly to create true learning experiences, not this false sense of self-esteem. Because studies like the ones that you mentioned um, have been done in, you know, for several different examples. And they've shown that when you almost 
uh, you know, when you're constantly telling a, a, a kid, like, you're so smart, you're so smart. And, um, you know, the kid ends up having like this um, inflated self-esteem that eventually they want to take less risk because you've put them on a pedestal. You've said you're so smart that they don't want to risk losing that um, that title. But yet the studies where you have other student where you have instead of saying you're so smart and you're praising the student on their effort and how hard they're working, the kids are more likely to continue to work hard because again, they're not having that inflated self-esteem that you just created for another child. And so, you know, growth mindset talks on appropriate praise. And that's one of the big things um, I'm creating, uh, like take-home notes for teachers that eventually I'd like to put on the Teachers Pay Teachers website, where it's very intentional praise. Because good job eventually becomes just a very blanket statement. And because, again, kids sometimes are very literal or don't really understand, like as adults, we understand what we're praising. Maybe it could be that they're sitting down quietly or whatever. But when you just say good job, eventually they're like, okay, thanks. But they don't know what you're saying good job for. And so growth mindset is really about um, being intentional in your praise. And so, again, if you want your child to sit quietly more often, then praise that behavior versus oh my God, you're so crazy. You're running around, you know, just saying, oh my God, thank you for sitting so quietly and even praising those small successes. And so um, I started off the year. So I I work in, um, I work at a middle school and I'm in charge of the student service center. So I often get the students that get kicked out of class that have a lot of behavior issues. And so um, with children that have, that experience these behavior issues, a lot of times they do have trauma and You know, I've learned that when you approach them in like a very hostile way, their defense mechanisms go up. They don't want to work for you. They don't want to listen to you. And so you really have to, um, you know, nurture that relationship, but in a positive way. And so at the beginning of the year, I started doing grade checks for my students. And so a lot of them have D's or F's, but the positive way that I would get to encourage them to raise their grades is I'd say, hey, you got a, you went from a 68% to a 70%, you know, which for most maybe teachers or anybody that's like, oh, great. You went from a D to a C, like no big deal. But yet, you know, it's giving them that positive. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta like praise the short victories. Yeah. And so I was actually telling a teacher about that today. I'm like, you know, the other day a a student came in, he's like, oh, I want to check my grades. And so I go and I'm like, hey, you know what? You still have a D, like what's going on? And so he's like, yeah, he's like, but Mrs., you know, um, he's like, but I went from a blah, 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 I went up 4%. And so that made me kind of stop in my tracks where I'm like, oh my God, the I've like planted these seeds of almost like growth mindset of watching those little successes. And I forgot about it because yeah, when you're at school and so much is going on, it's hard to be intentional all the time and positive because you're worn out. You're and a so, human being. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And so, you know, when the student told me that, I'm like, I'm like, you know what? You're right. And I, you know, I give them candy even though I'm not supposed to. Um, and so really? I, I gave them, yeah, with all, you know, different regulations with um, sugar and things like oh, that. You're not supposed huh. to give kids a, um, a over, an overabundance of sugar. So, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're so right. Like, here's your candy. And those little, you know, that little conversation reminded me of like, oh my God, they listen. And like this one kid who, yes, even though he continues to get D's and F's, at least he's like seeing his small small successes and is continuing to try. 
And so, um, sounds like he almost gave you the same thing you were giving him. Yeah. you know, that's, that's what I love about my job. Like, I don't know, obviously you can't see it, but that stuff like makes me light up because that's when you see that mindset changing or like, that's what truly makes education. We could definitely see it. We could definitely see that the way that you're talking about it here, you know, you're kind of, you're definitely passionate about what you're doing. That last little bit just blew my mind for like four different reasons over there, but you just said so much stuff that made a lot of sense right Mm -hmm. there. You know, dealing, giving kids that incremental victory and not rewarding them on being smart or something that can be, you know, seem passive or something like that, but rewarding them on the effort and using that as the metric to like keep them going. That is, I mean, that's a pretty fascinating insight. Um, and so in dealing with these kids, like, uh, what, I guess, do you, okay. If you could like snap your fingers Mm -hmm. and make sweeping changes to like the way education works, um, you know, from, you know, uh, where you are like in a middle school and if you have any better ideas, like, what does that look like? I mean, I don't, I mean, definitely school is a good place to have that. Um, but I definitely think it needs to start even before middle school, you know, so, if we had more counselors at the elementary level, like that would make kids more successful into middle school. And if you're more successful in middle school, then you're more successful in high school. So it's really starting very young, almost to, you know, birth. Like when, you know, mothers and fathers are, you know, getting pregnant, like starting that education there, really showing parents how their actions or their behaviors or even the way that they speak to their children can cause these like long lasting effects I think that's really key like if I could snap my fingers and I know this maybe sounds like super controlling it'd be that everybody who gets pregnant or is going to have a child needs to go through a certain number of courses like bare basics of not just so much the care of the child of like how to put on a diaper but the care of their brain and just how to nurture that like the most important organ in our bodies, right? And so I think that is key. If we teach parents how to um, foster appropriate growth and be more, I guess, healthier, then that's going to provide healthier students. Just overall healthier living and choices. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. It kind of seems to me like, you know, the role of a, like a counselor, like we should just have more counselors too. Yeah. Like, like we should have almost a counselor for every teacher. So these kids can re- like somebody that specializes in development, you know, who can really understand these kids on a, on a psychological level that, you know, if you're, if you're a math teacher or an art teacher, you probably don't have that area of expertise, but having somebody who can really reach, you know, a lot of the kids who are, who are struggling or who yeah. could be better to be able to translate a lot of this literal material, you know, this classic math science stuff and, and put it to them or at least teach them how to learn. Yeah. You know? I mean, that seems like a, yeah. And I, I think, you know, um, I don't think that no teacher has like child development experience. A lot of teachers do, especially if they go um, through the program, but again, it's kind of, you know, if their passion is math, that's where they're going to seek a lot of their own education. Whereas, you know, my passion is psychology and mental health. So that, you know, I seek that education. And so I just think, yeah, you know, more counselors would be helpful in California. Uh, one counselor to student ratio should be um, one to 250. Whereas currently at my school, you know, we're lucky to have two counselors because my principal is, um, you know, he really believes in giving 
resources for kids and finds importance in mental health. So he was able to hire me on um, additional funds, but it's two counselors for 750 students. And so even though there's two counselors, like that's still a lot. You know, I don't get to often see my kids who may have um, suicidal ideation or my kids that have anxiety because oftentimes the kids with the really like crazy behaviors in class that are getting kicked out are, are taking a lot of my attention. So yes, there's kids that, you know, fall through the gaps because we don't have enough manpower to address a lot of issues that are going on. Is that a, is that a somewhat common thing at that, at that age group? Like middle age is a suicidal, uh, you know? Um, you know, a problem you ever had to deal with personally? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. In my first year as a counselor intern in South Almani, you know, I went as far as hospitalizing a fourth grader. And so when I say that a lot of people are surprised they're like a fourth grader, really? But I mean, this fourth grader had gone through so much trauma as watching her father get deported and, you know, just living in a, um, a gang environment like this child wasn't in fourth grade. Like she understood so much more. And, you know, finally she just broke down and was like, I don't, I don't want to live. Like, like what, I, it's just so much work and scary and it's fucking yeah, tiring. Like, like, and you're so, I mean, as an adult, when these things happen to us, we feel so alone and it takes us a while to get back up and, you know, figure it out. And we have, you know, we have the resources or whatever, but imagine a child who doesn't even know what's really going on, but can feel that something is not right. And so, um, yeah. With nobody I, there to really like, you know, console her, make her feel or them, you know, feel like that, you know, it's going to be all okay. Like that's got to be. Yeah, that's, that is what? shocking though. Fourth grade, that's really shocking, but it, it makes sense. Yeah, know? it does. And then, um, you know, it's I have other students where, you know, now they're at the middle school level, but, you know, they, they thought of it as even early, like a lot of um, students that are... Um, you know, that having came out as gay or lesbian or, you know, still figuring out um, where they fall under the spectrum of sexuality, you know, oftentimes these students can't express how they feel. They can't say who they love. And so all eventually all that like hidden emotion, you know, you're just like, well, why am I here? Right. And so, um, but yeah, def- I, I don't know. I know that there's certain schools that have more of this issue as far as our school we've you know we've we've had our a few we have a few each year not that actually like commit suicide but yeah there's a lot of you know there could be a lot of that um that talk and even those thoughts of you know why am I here would it just be easier if I committed suicide um and so yeah that's that is rough you know and that that alone is oh, a reason why, enough to why, have well, more this, people like you. Doing well, I mean, that's why, doing. you know, it just it makes me so irate when people, you know, when people are against things like DACA and people are all for ICE coming and just ripping families apart out here. What do you, it's like there's, oh, some people are for it, unfortunately. That's yeah, it's really weird to think that like that people are all for it. You know, it's oh, yeah. People people are cheering as, you know, kids are left without, you know, without their parents are left completely alone. I mean, there's. I was I was following up with this story about this, uh, this I think it was this Haitian like this Haitian little girl who was like seven mm-hmm. was stuck in an ice like containment holding cell oh, for yeah. like nine months or something like that. Uh, you know, separated There's from her mother. Plenty of it, uh, I mean of, of kids that are still being held. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's inhumane and fucking un-American, you know? And and this is, I mean, it's so damaging to these kids at an early level when they are 
so receptive too. And when you look at the ones who have not had to go through that, there's plenty of, I mean, I, I'm friends with a lot of kids who came here, you know, when they were really, really little, you know, that's not their home country. Mm-hmm. And they are some of the most successful driven, like productive members of society. I think that that's kind of the truth though with immigrants, you know, they come here with the dream, you know, and they want to like with make that grit. They that grit, you know? have the well, grit. Because have the I think which I, I'm going to be yeah. working that into every like other sentence now. I Do love it. that phrase so much. Do it. Like they're coming here with the sense of like, you know, this is what I came here for to do what I got to do, like live the American dream that all these other spoiled motherfuckers are kind of like forgetting about. And, exactly. you know, and that's kind of what you see is like they're coming over here they're like oh this isn't a problem i got this opportunity still so it's like that positive mindset to do it and i mean you're right like it's 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 they're coming over here and actually being successful while there's so many other people that just like take for granted where we were born and what we were born into and and so it's just fucked up to see that it's it's more about where you were born instead of like what you're actually doing or providing or you know you know striving for that people are judging anything off of. And that yeah. the fact that you're right, anybody that would take anybody away from their family is just like the most ridiculous that's, thing that's in the brutal, fucking world. Man. Like, But to, to you know, shift topics and, you know, we're going to kind of be wrapping up here because we're, we're kind of getting, uh, running up against the clock. Um, I want to know how your, um, you know, can you explain a little bit more kind of what you're doing um, to, on, on the pay for uh, teachers, pay teachers uh, thing. And can you talk more about, uh, oh man, now I, Got my notes all mixed up, which usually happens better than the show. Um, but talk about more about what you're doing online to like provide more resources and and give up, empower other teachers to use what you've learned. You know, so as far as like a month ago and again, you know, I'm going through this growth mindset where I'm super passionate about this and I kind of fall under the assumption that anybody who hears it is going to buy into it right away and believes it. And, you know, I've... I, I've been mentioning to a couple people and those who I've mentioned it to, it's almost like a blank stare. Like, what are you talking about? And so I've really had to evaluate exactly what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. And I, I think I have an idea, but I'm not sure yet. I, I mean, obviously it needs to start with just creating awareness of what it is. So people know what it is. And then they have that option of whether they want to buy into it or not. And then, you know, once that buy-in is there, then being able to provide just really, you know, simple strategies for teachers or, you know, counselors to just be able to implement it in their own way. Because, I mean, I don't want to add more to a teacher that we already ask of them to do. Um, But if that's something that they're passionate about and that they can live it, and it's not just talking it, you know, because that's another thing Carol Dweck talks about is just, you know, she created this whole growth mindset but she's scared that people are implementing it the wrong way without yeah. the true passion, without like the passion true genuine, yeah, yeah, being genuine about it. You know, a teacher can say all the most positive things in the world, but if a kid still feels like they don't like them or that they're not genuine, like, you know, kids are so smart. They feed it, you know, they, they read that stuff. And so, um, you know, she talks about being able to walk it, to walk that talk in a sense. And mm-hmm. so, It's, you know, as I said, I've really had to evaluate how I'm going to go about it because I don't, you know, again, I have to just kind of just spread awareness, let the universe Let it organically grow into the thing, you know, create this resurgence in in passion for what you're doing. Because from my 
you know, observation from everybody that I know is a teacher, like they start off with, you know, a strong passion for it. And then, you know, I think that like working in a system that they kind of really can't get their, uh, you know, ideal ways of teaching out there because of standardized testing and mm-hmm. like limitations and, and budget cuts and all these sort of things kind of wear you down and it takes away from the morale it of it. So if you really get people really focused and show them that, you know, focus your passions on the solutions rather than the problems too, yeah. then I think that will definitely for sure guide a lot of people into, and I think, cause I'm only saying this confidently because I think that's kind of what it can, this is what happens yeah. in everything. In yeah. There's just about burnout anything. in every, and yeah. Well, I've, I've been a big proponent of, you know, of having education go out to people who really want to seek it themselves, you know, because there are so many great resources online to, to learn stuff that we don't necessarily have to put it into, you know, our classic education system where mm-hmm. it just comes from the teachers. It's just, you know, there are books that are given to you that you're teaching from, from these four or five publishing companies who... You know, I've seen some reports. Some yeah, monopoly. okay. Yeah, look at your face. I, I wanted to gauge yeah. before I started like going off on any like too crazy yeah, conspiracy yeah. theory, but they are, uh, yeah, they're uh, slightly biased. You know, based on it's not a conspiracy so, theory. Okay, I mean, okay. It's pretty much it's there. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to speak out of turn if I was wrong about that. But yeah, it's kind of fucked up what I've, what I've seen. How you know, course curriculums get you know get nationalized and uh, a lot yeah, of history doesn't get included. Yeah, and. It, it sucks. Yeah. It sucks for a lot of minorities because really they're the ones that are missing out on their history. You know, for Hispanics when they're learning about America, you know, they probably get a, a very small glimpse of like the um, like the small war that was between America and Mexico. You know, and that's mm. it. They get like a paragraph, yeah. whereas they go years and years about learning um, the American culture, which. That's great. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I definitely think with our diverse, our, our diverse cultures that maybe kids would be more engaged if they're learning and they're reading about people who look like them that come from their, like, um, that come from their origin. And there's something that... You think we should probably give them the choice at a younger age, like before college, like, you know, to be able to choose, offer different classes, or would that be too hard for them to do nationwide in each school because you know of budgets and stuff? Well, I think, I think you're probably hitting on, on what I thought was the solution for a long time, which mm-hmm. is having independent teachers and educators and people who have this genuine passion for it. Um, you know, it, this, this kind of mixing of like, you know, government and free market uh, ideas. And mm-hmm. so you have all these resources that you're using to empower teachers to imply some of these core principles in their own classroom. And it gets to, you know, it gets to kind of funnel out that way. And you're expanding on, you're still hitting all, I, I don't know how education. Well, I say, don't give me that much credit because I'm not a history teacher. So I don't know <laughs> much about it, but yeah. just kind of from, you know, what I see on social media like there are schools that are trying to incorporate like african-american studies and chicano studies where often you don't get that option until you get to college Mm -hmm. so being able to provide that even at the high school level like that's so like modern and you know moving forward and my my hope and i i know we're gonna get there in education it just might take us a little while we might have to you know do some fighting but I truly do feel that education is growing and people are becoming more awake and they're starting to realize a lot more that, you know, we have a lot more power than we think we do. Just like, you know, going back to our consumerism, you know, if you want McDonald's to have healthier food, you know, then stop buying their unhealthy food and start requesting healthy food. And eventually 
they have to listen to us. We're the ones buying and consuming their food. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, I really do think that with, you know, this kind of Trump era and people waking up and being a little bit more... Um, the preferred nomenclature is, is woke. I understand. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, yeah. no, you know, I always kept saying woke, and I was like, there needs to be another word for it because Just the, what, I feel it, what it would derive from, awake. Awake, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little more sensible word I mean, than... I forgot where I heard it, but they said awake. I'm like, there it is. That's what I'm going to say right, because, right. you know, I can say woke to the kids and they're... They, I guess they still find me semi-cool because I'm not too old. But yeah, when I'm speaking to adults, I do sure. want to sound knowledgeable on what I'm talking about. So I'm like, let's find a better word than woke. So, <laughs> that's, actually, so yeah. that's actually probably a good idea because a lot of these words get, um, you know, they get co-opted and they get turned into dirty words from the other side over there. You know, oh my God. when there were so many things that didn't, you know, that were totally fine. But now it's like, oh, woke and then people just immediately there's all these connotations that are starting to come with a lot of the a lot of the slang yeah, it's, going it's even a joke it's like know? a parody like even amongst the people who claim or consider themselves or at least you know feel that they're they're be that they are woke you know yeah. and, and especially like with all of our friends like it's just kind of a thing that's thrown around out there <laughs> you know like oh i'm woke or they're woke oh woke, yeah i use, woke totally, I use it totally unironically yeah. now though i like i i like it you know i like yeah. using that language to you know to bring about these very kind of complex and these very you know yeah. you know, beautiful ideas that I'm yeah. so glad that they're mainstream, even if, you know, even if they do have some silly wording behind them. I'm like, no, this is a great concept, though, being culturally aware. Way to have growth mindset. I was just going to say, <laughs> like, yeah, maybe some people are butchering the word right, or, you know, whatever. Right. But hey, at yeah. least that word is out there. People are yeah, using it. True. Like, that's yeah. a positive. Like, yeah. let's let's keep the momentum. Talk about it. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about Getting it. Getting woke so. is a good thing. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Get, it, what it was, there, yeah, kids. you know, it depends on how you look at things. I always say, you know, there's always a different way to look at something. And, you know, that's like, you know, one of the things that I've had to learn on my, my own in life, you know, mm -hmm. and it's a choice more, more often than not how to look at it. And so a lot of people choose to look at the glass as half empty. You could choose to look at it as half full. And one of the things I'm getting from this is that you're very passionate about this because you see that it is getting better and that it can be even better and that, you know, you're going to get there. But you're also, you know, understanding that people have to praise those small victories and keep going for it. Like yeah. a lot of people would just, they, I mean, even myself, I'd be like, wow, the education system's kind of fucked. You know, all this standardized testing, all this stuff, that was somebody who doesn't know. So I've been educated this time around um, by listening to you and, and getting a, a different outlook on how Yay. it is going. So Growing mindset. And hopefully everybody <laughs> else that's listening kind of, you I know, feel much better stuff. about education after having talked to you, somebody who's like deep in it uh, than I did before, than I did an hour ago. So oh, well, that's that's awesome. And again, I don't I don't want to claim that I'm an expert, but I'm very hopeful that there's very passionate people out there that feel just like I do. And those small victories they're doing, whether it's through Instagram or creating these communities within teachers, like that's powerful and that's really creating change. So I think that's awesome. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you know, how can people help somebody who isn't in education? You know, is there something that you think somebody can do? Like, you know, is there, uh, you know, something they can donate to maybe or a cause or, you know, what's a what's an everyday way? You know what? I honestly think it's, you know, supporting your teachers, supporting your education, really, because those are the ones that are really fostering these minds. Right. You know, we're creating the millionaires on the CEOs, but yet no one like shout outs their teacher. At the end of Get the day. more involved <laughs> with your kids lives, too. Don't just say, oh, crap, I got a student teacher yeah. meeting that I have to go to. Like, yeah, and, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, that and 
you know, don't put all the responsibility on education and teachers because yeah. although teachers see their see kids sometimes a lot longer for I mean more hours than a parent does, you know, a lot of the like foundation of education comes from the home. And so teaching, you know, teaching your child values and reading to them and, you know, not shaming them for their mistakes, but teaching them that, hey, you know what, like, you know, you made a mistake or this happened. So how are we going to do it? And holding them accountable and making them problem solvers, really, because we are in an era where things are very accessible for most kids. And, um, you know, with better socioeconomic status and more people going to college. And, you know, for those that maybe grew up poor, their initial instinct is to give their kids everything they didn't get because they know how it felt. But really teaching them, teaching kids the morals of like what hard work is and effort and being kind and being a good values, neighbor. Yeah. yeah, it's all about those values that sometimes, you know, we we forget about. I think but as it adults, starts in the home. I think it as adults, we all need that too. You know, we all oh, yeah. need to reevaluate. Awesome. Everything that we've said today can totally apply to adults. <laughs> yes. I'm like, you know, I, I'm taking some of this and internalizing it for me myself. You yeah. Know? Never stop. Never think that you're too old. You know, because I've always, I've been saying it for a while now that I think that all adults are just overgrown children too. I mean, like, what do we have to compare to what? <laughs> you know, we're just like, we're still growing, you know? Yeah. And, then, and then it's when, it's when, people feel that they've come to a point where they can't learn anything more, that's what becomes problematic because then that's what creates these like walls that people that are trying to move forward with things can't get over, you know? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, but, learn from yeah. the kids. <laughs> learn. So uh, how can uh, how can people get in touch with you and the work that you're doing? Well, I mean, I think for starters, you know, follow me on Blooming Mindsets on Instagram. Um, I do have that YouTube channel, but it, I mean, it is and it's standstill. I'm still trying to figure out um, what kind of YouTube videos or messages do I eventually want to create or, you know, um, propose and just, you know, at the moment, there's no limit. I don't, I, you know, I feel like there's a thousand things that I can do and I'm still trying to organize it in a way that's going to not just make sense for myself because obviously I, you know, I'm still a counselor by day, but being able to do something that's going to be powerful and, um, and meaningful to the world. Well, you know, uh, what I do when I'm not doing this is actually helping people, small businesses and stuff like that facilitate a lot of what you're talking about. Nice. So, Hey, if I, I, I'm completely sold on blooming mindsets right <laughs> yeah, now. So awesome. if you ever need some help, I can at least give you some, you know, some guidance on how to go about accomplishing a lot of these things that you're talking Very about. Cause cool. I'm like, Oh no, you already have all the elements that are there in order to actually successfully do this. Thing. Yeah. You know what? I have to actually practice what I preach and I have to walk myself through this because a lot of, I'm, I'm really just throwing myself out there into something I absolutely do not know about. I mean, not that I don't know about growth mindset, but, you know, just the business aspect and, you know, taking those risks and financial risk, you know, that's very scary. And so I have to literally every single day, right when I registered Blooming Mindsets as an LLC, I was sick to my stomach for a week. I just, I couldn't like, I was just in a shock of so much anxiety that I didn't, I was like, what did I just do? And so I, you know, as an adult, as a person who preaches growing, um, blooming like a blooming and a growth mindset you know I have to continue to think of this as something that's going to grow and be successful I just don't know how I'm going to get there yet <laughs> but it's going to happen 
Oh, that's awesome. So, all right. So everybody keep an eye out for Blooming Mindsets. And we'll throw a link up to the Instagram in the uh, show notes of this one. Awesome. And I think we are uh, going to be wrapping it up here, you guys. So, Thanks, of guys. course, everybody who's listened so far, please, 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 please do us a quick favor and subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play. We are syndicated all over the place now. Yep. So Let it bleed I cast. Can, Check yes. us out. Let Phil, it where cast. can they find you personally? Oh, me personally. That would be at Nobody Cares Phil on Instagram and at Phil Nobody Cares on Twitter. And I too have lately been going through a lot of these, uh, you know, personal growth crises. These, oh God, I feel sick to my stomach. I don't know exactly how to move forward and do my thing. But hey, my new website's up at nobodycaresphil.com. And yeah. that's going to continuously evolve uh, over time as I try to embark on my own journey check it out send him emails tell him that you want to go watch him do comedy because we all want to see him do comedy. <laughs> yeah we no, want to check we'll get it around out. to that yeah and my man last but not least well hood rat stuff with three f's for my personal but be sure to follow the art account i run it's psychedelic lions den psychedelic underscore lions underscore den if you want to check out some of the local artists that i get the pleasure of working with and just to you know get some eye candy for the day and yeah not to mention we've got art in the park numero six coming up on the 15th and i think we're still waiting on a couple like details to confirm right but this is is an ambitious one yeah it's gonna be a big one we're doing mannequins we are doing i decided we're doing the mannequin okay yeah so we're gonna do mannequins and we've got a lot of stuff because we're teaming up with the rgl uh, collective uh the regal collective so we are doing that and it's gonna be really big and it's april 15th uh, family-friendly event. Please bring everybody out. This kind of goes along with building a community of, you know, positive thinkers. Because what it is is people coming together and just, you know, making themselves believe that they can do something that they probably didn't think that they could do before because they're just doing it with other people that are good. You know, it's everybody's equal there. We're all going. We're all teaching each other some things, and we can hopefully all take something away from it. Just like I hope you have all taken something away from this. I certainly have. To wrap, to wrap that into the theme, you know, I would love for anybody who thinks, who would love to participate in something like this, you know, a group art session where people out painting, drawing, sketching, you know, doing whatever it is that creatively fulfills you. If you don't think that you're good enough to show somebody or do your work in front of people or something like that, I want you most of all. Mm-hmm. To come to this, yeah, because I want you to be facilitated by this and and see the very see that real you're wrong about that process, <laughs> and, that, and that you're wrong exactly. Yeah. You need take, to imply take those risks, even I if you fail, tell. you're gonna learn something I, from those failures. I, and, yeah, I could tell you as a true testament. Uh, two years ago, I didn't draw a stick figure to save my life, and I always said that that was not my thing. And just being in a new situation that awarded new opportunities and becoming passionate about something completely different has put me into a new field of work that I'm doing that I absolutely love that I, you know, just couldn't imagine not doing it. And, and it's amazing because it's just, you got to just tell yourself you can do it. So, yeah. Whoop. But And of course, as I'm trying to grab a cute, couple quick pictures at the end here i end up smacking my mic and dropping everything and making a big ruckus well that is time for us to go ahead and wrap up 
Uh, thank you very much for coming on the Thanks, show. Guys. We're super glad to have you on. This is a very, very informative podcast, and we love these ones. I'm very different. I don't think we've ever had anything of this nature on before. Um, and it's good to see you, even after all these years uh, of doing that. You're married now and yes. all of these things, and I hope that that's My all lovers. going well. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's been a long time coming for this moment to happen since I've known you, right? Well, who would have known? Who right? would have known? Who would have thunk? Anyways, uh, thanks for tuning in, and as always, let it bleed. Oh, he said the thing.